listening to Victory and Labang Podcast. We hope this message encourages and inspires you today. Happy Sunday, Victory family. It's a wonderful time for us to gather and really think about the Word of God. If it's your first time joining us online, welcome. We are Victory. We love God. We honor God. We make disciples. I'm Jay, one of the pastors in this church. And last week, we started this short series where we talk about something that really is important for us, the missions. And as I think about um, missions and what we're going to do, and as we reflect on the Word today, I'm reminded um, I think it was the other day, Jerome and I, uh, one of our staff here, we were talking about how fascinating the algorithm of our news feeds are. <laughs> you realize how, you know, when you look at it, there are just a lot of things that you could see. There are news about somebody giving birth. You, you, you can see how people are celebrating their birthdays and you scroll down and scroll down and sometimes you spend two hours not knowing you've been scrolling. Um, for a generation like mine who was used to Friendster and Multiply, um, we didn't have this when we were younger. So now that we're, you know, news feeds are interesting because it gives us a steady diet of information of things around the world, and in a, a sense of awareness of things happening around us. In one swipe, we can see somebody celebrating something. In another swipe, we can see candles and black backgrounds, death, people in hospital asking for prayers, everything in between. This sense of awareness brings us to, you know, different responses. Some, some of us, you know, we're constantly troubled because of these things. Some of us, we have become apathetic and we don't care enough anymore since we've been seeing these things. Some of us are enraged by what we see. Either it's that's about politics or something as simple as your favorite Netflix show. See, all of these things, all of these responses to the news that we see around us is, is a very interesting time that we live in. That awareness forces us to respond to the many things that were given in our news feeds. And in a way, I think about this. And I think the Bible has something for us that should shape us in how we respond to these things. That we aren't supposed to be at one end, constantly moved by the news feed, dictated. And at another end, we shouldn't be apathetic about it. There's a healthy biblical response to the news that we're seeing. And that's what I want to invite you in. Because here's the thing. If you're a Christian, this is an invitation for you to respond to the world that is broken and needy. And if you're not, it's an invitation for you to get to know what this word has for us. Because I believe in my heart that we have a responsibility, if you are a Jesus follower, to respond the way Christ called us to be. Not to respond, respond in anger, to be prayerful, to respond in active ways where we participate, register to vote, think and pray about who you're voting for. All those are active participations to the kingdom work that God has given us. And at the same time, I think missions is an active participation to what God is doing in this generation. So I invite you to pray as we dive into the Word and as we think about how are we to respond in our day today. Lord, we thank you 
For you have called us to be a people who would respond first and foremost to your glory and to your grace. Today as we look at the scriptures, as we think about what Isaiah says about your word, about grace and truth, I pray that you would move us. I pray that those who believe in you would not just have thoughts about doing things, but really would be moved to do things that we give glory to you. And for those who aren't followers of Jesus, who are just, who are just sitting here listening to this, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would draw them near, that you would teach them, lead them to your good news. This we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. We're reading in the book of Isaiah. And um, if you've been joining us in the past few weeks, we've been studying Isaiah, right? I mean, the first half of the year, we've been looking at Isaiah. And one of the things that I always think about when it comes to the prophets, especially Isaiah, is that they have some of the toughest jobs there is. Like if, if you think your job is tough, right? If, you are, if your boss is hard on you, or I don't know, if things are not easy in the job that you're doing, think about the prophets, they have the toughest job in the world. Their job, they, they're called by God to stand on the streets and to tell stubborn people that you ought to go to this God. Their job is to go to people and tell them you aren't okay when these people think that they are. Right? Their job is to come to them with a message of truth that is often received with anger. That's the job of a prophet. So in the book of Isaiah, all 66 chapters, from chapter 1 to 39, he speaks of this. And he says, come on, go back to God. Because if not, the, the Assyrians are coming. In 722, they came. Dismantled the other side of this people. And by 586, the Babylonians, this, for those of you who are not familiar, these, this warrior clan who comes to take the land and exile the people of God, it came true. And the other half of the book speaks of the hope that God will and can restore. And this is where we take our scripture. And today as we think about this and read um, Isaiah 52 verses 7 to 9, what I hope to um, show and answer is the question, why missions? Why do we spend at least once in every year talking about missions as a community of faith? Can we just put it in the drawer right at the season because we're busy with other things? Can we just say that um, because the pandemic is happening, maybe we could just put it aside? Why missions? And I believe Isaiah and ultimately God has an answer for us. I invite you to open your Bibles, whether that's a physical one or the digital one, to Isaiah 52. We'll be reading verses 7 to 10, and this is the beautiful Word of God. So I invite you, maybe if you're at home and if you can, stand up, and it's okay. It's the reverence to the Word of God. Isaiah 52, verses 7 to 10, says, How beautiful... Upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. The voice of your watchmen, they lift up their voice. 
together they sing for joy. For eye to eye they see the return of the Lord to Zion. Break forth together into singing, you waste places of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted His people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord has bared His holy arm. Before the eyes of the nations and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. This is the Word of God. A powerful message to a people. Remember, this is the story, right? Isaiah has been telling these people, come on, repent, turn to your God. If not, these mighty warriors coming from all sides of the earth would attack you, and it happened. And at this point of their lives, they're waiting for that promise that someday their God will take them back to their land. And we read this fascinating song, uh, poem, slash poem, and, and you see how the repeated images here help us understand what Isaiah was highlighting. He starts with these words, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. And, and the first thing that you should notice if you're reading this and you ask yourself, why are feet beautiful? <laughs> like, how does that look like? You know, small, dainty, with, you know, nail polish, and beautiful feet, what's that, right? And, and why, is, why are they celebrating someone's beautiful feet? Now, we have to understand that in that day, there is this tradition of um, victory proclaimers, victory messengers, okay? Not victory liners. Uh, um, so, this is messengers come from war, oftentimes. And they're the ones who proclaim to the city that the king has won. And oftentimes, these, these battles can, can, can go on and on and on, and the people do not know who won, right? And, and at that point, since imagine Israel, imagine their city, their city surrounded by, them, by mountains, and from afar, they will hear this messenger shouting, We won! And from afar, people will see, at least the song suggests, the poem suggests, the beautiful feet of that messenger. The feet of the messenger are beautiful not because of the person bringing it, but because of the message he brings. That this messenger who came from war, that they are waiting for the news from, as he runs in the mountains, they see him and they say, wow, that's a beautiful thing. As we read in the text, it will say, are the feet of those who bring the good news. And what's this good news? Because if you think about it, the feet of the messenger is calloused. It's dirty, it's hurried, it's running. But it's this message that they're waiting for. And what is this good news for them? For a people who were attacked, placed into an uh, exile, this good news means this. The song describes it. The good news is, the messenger brings a news of peace, a news of good, a good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, 
right? And, and who says to Zion, your God reigns. The gospel, the good news. For them, what the good news meant is that they have been under the power of the enemy and then by the, 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 the reign of their God, the power of their God, of their king, they have won the battle. And this messenger runs through the mountains shouting, we have won. And it's a beautiful message. For the Old Testament, that's how it looks like. But what is, does it look like for us? People who live in a time where we're not exactly in a battle, we're not exactly under the Babylon, what does the good news look like for us? In the New Testament, many of the writers, the gospel writers, including Paul, they, they image and they, they take this image of, of battle and, 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 and attack and the enemy and they frame this within the idea that the enemy is not just Babylon, it's sin, it's death, and the many effects of it. And I, cannot, I would not have to go too far for us to appreciate the problem of sin. I would not have to go too far. You just have to, one, think about yourself and the many broken things maybe that you have realized in this season. Or maybe within your home. Or maybe in your workplace, the many battles of sin that there is. And what is the good news there? In Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 to 11, Paul beautifully summarized this. To summarize the good news of Christ, the fulfillment of that prophecy of a good news that would come, that of peace, that of beauty, that of Joy. How does he summarize it? He says, For though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a good thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking a form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man. That's the first thing there. That he was born. This is the story of the good news. And, and being found out and found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on the cross. He was born. He died. Therefore, He, God, has highly exalted Him and bestowed Him on the name, the name that is above every name, so that the name Jesus, in the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That the good news for us, the New Testament people, people who are invited to this feast, if you're a believer of Jesus, this is what it means. What it means is that the good news for us is sin has been defeated. It had happened with the cost of the life, the death, the suffering, and shown forth in the resurrection of this King. This is the good news for us. How beautiful are the feet of those who pronounce this good news. That Jesus has defeated sin and brokenness. See, we think about this and we look at the message of the good news that it has peace. 
Something that all of us are craving for in this season. It offers happiness. Something that everybody right now has been thinking about a lot. It brings salvation. One key component is that line there. That your God reigns. That the good news is not just about bringing peace, happiness, and salvation. It is about the King who reigns. That is the gospel. So what does this have to do with missions, Pastor Jay? He said, you want to answer the question, why missions? First reason, I think, as the scripture shows us, we do missions because through missions, we proclaim the gospel, this world's only hope. See, she listening. I can give you five steps to live a better life, or maybe 10 steps to a greater mood. I could give you 10 tips on how to read your Bible better. But the thing is, those will never solve. That will never satisfy. That will never save you. Only the gospel can. I offer nothing except the gospel. If you, you know, the, the thing that I'm, I'm asking you to look into if you're joining here and if you're not a follower of Jesus, this church will never be about just making your life better. Though I wish and I pray really that as you follow Jesus, your life will be better. Your things, you know, things in your life will turn around. But that's not the point of this. The point of this is that you follow Jesus. That you trust in Him. The gospel, the message of it, the potency of its message is the reason why we're so passionate about missions. It is not because we are just, you know, we have spare time or spare money. That's why we go to nations telling them about this Jesus. No, because we believe deep in our hearts that the only hope of the whole world whether that's West civilization, which is a lot of money, a lot of things, or, or a lot of places in the world. The only hope of that world, that teenager in school right now who's thinking about killing herself, the only hope of that person is the gospel. That businessman who's having a struggle with his family, who cheated more than once, who does not know how to go to his wife for forgiveness. The only hope of that person is the gospel. The good news that he is forgiven in faith by the grace of God. The gospel is not just the ABC of faith, as preachers would say. It's the A to Z and one to infinity of our Christian walk. Lest we miss this out, we do missions because we know the good news is the only hope of this world. We hope to vote better. We hope to do better. We hope to conserve the things that we can conserve. We hope to do actions that would better our society. But without the gospel, all those will be incinerated and would never really make sense in eternity. So yes, we do missions because of the gospel. 
Myanmar is one of those places in February who's the center of our news feeds. After a failed election, the military seized control of Myanmar. Around a thousand people dead. A lot of young people in the streets going against the government. And in this dark place, when people are doing demonstrations, when COVID-19 is, is ravaging the nation, when one of our pastors in the span of three weeks lost five relatives, in the midst of that, we opened our churches, set up clinics, gave them food, prayed for them, preached the gospel. Why? Because we know it's the only hope of that nation. We know it's the only hope of humanity. This is why we do missions. And as we continue looking at it, right? So we, we see uh, how this song progresses to as it's the runner, the victory runner comes in and then the people see him. In verse 8, they say, the voice of your watchmen, they lift up their voice, right? Together they sing for joy. So you have to imagine this. That's why I, I usually invite people, when you read the Bible, imagine it. It's a beautiful thing. The watchmen are people who, who stand in the front of their gates, on top of their gates, and then they're looking afar, waiting for the messenger to say, wow, we have won. And when, once the watcher sees them, they suddenly sing out. I don't know if this is a Disney movie of sorts, right? I'm not sure what they sing, but they're singing. Why? Because the message so beautiful. It makes their hearts sing. These people have been waiting for the message to come. These people have been dying from inside and literally, yes, dying. And they have been waiting for that message of hope to come. And once they see the feet, the dusty, calloused feet of the messenger, they go, whoa, party! <laughs> because they understand the weight of this message. See, we, we are in a season of waiting. We learn how to wait for deliveries. When the parcel is late, we learn how to wait for the result of the operation of your cousin who's in the hospital, who's in critical condition. We learn how to wait for the result of this pandemic. Let me tell you that what we're waiting for really is not just all these practical things and all these are important. What we're waiting really is the message to be preached and to pierce through all these noise. Why missions? Because through missions, people turn to God and live in hope. That as the, as, as the people, these people who have been waiting for the good news, they see the messenger, they exalt in joy. Through missions, these mourners are turned into worshipers. It's only through the proclamation of this good news, by the grace of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, lest we think that it's about us or about our proclamation, it's God doing this. That through this, people are drawn in. In fact, in Psalm 22, some of the most beautiful lines are said, All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and the families of the nations shall worship before you. They will turn to Him. Pause with me for a moment. There's around 7.84 billion people in the world right now. 
around 41.8% of that have not been reached by the gospel. That's around 3.27 billion people. And it's so easy for us to reduce those numbers to just mere statistics. But those aren't just numbers. Those are families, lives, in dire need of the message of hope. Why do we do missions? Because it is the message through the missions we turn, people turn to God by His grace. Through missions that are faithful, God-led, people turn to Him. I'm reminded of one of the students in the School of Campus Ministry. She is from a country of Central Asia. She heard the gospel in 2012 through her English teacher. And then she, she decided, I'm going to follow God. I'm going to lead in church. Eventually, she graduated. And then she entered. She took her master's degree in Japan. And many people in their country and in their city specifically, when they, when they get master's degree, they, they leave the country for better money. But this young lady decided, no, I'm going to serve the Lord. So once she came back from her master's degree, she told her senior pastor, Pastor, I want to serve the church. I want to be a campus missionary. A day after receiving that call from God and deciding, she got, she got a call from a company telling her she's, they're willing to offer her four times the support she's going to get through ministry. So enticing. Yet, she decides, no, no, I'm going to follow God. I'm going to serve Him. And now it's been halfway through the school of church ministry and we're still praying for her, journeying with her, and we are believing amazing things for her life and the mission field. She's our first local leader in Central, Central Asia. Why would people do this? Why would they spend the better days of their lives, the prime years of their lives to a mission field. Why? Because they believe, they have realized this message is so important. Lastly, it says here, the Lord, the song continues, the Lord has bared His holy arm before the eyes of all nations to the ends of the earth. They shall see the salvation of our God. That as the message is received, people exalt Him. And, and this is the bearing of the holy arm. Now, holy arm is a fascinating idea. Now, anytime you read it in Scripture, whether that's in Psalm or in the New Testament, the, the arm of the Lord, the right hand of God, is significant because it describes His power. It's the showing forth of the power of God. Why do we do missions? Because through missions, what we're doing is we're magnifying God. We're showing forth to the world that this God is worth our worship. It's worth our lives. If you're a believer in Christ, this is something that I hope you're drawn in. This is something that you don't just think about. Something that you lay your life on to as well. If you're not a believer in Christ, meaning you just attended this, or maybe you have been attending these services, and maybe it sounds fancy, and it sounds good to be called quote-unquote a Christian, but you have not really understood what it is, the gospel. That the gospel is stopping the, what you do 
you're stopping yourself from trusting yourself and then placing that trust on God and saying, God, my life is yours. It's understanding that Jesus lived, died, and rose again. And as I put my faith in Him, my allegiance to Him, my life is reorganized. The good news of God, the gospel, it's not a good suggestion. It's not a good law or some good instructions for better living. It's the good news. There are many news in our lives that can radically reorient us. That could mean for you when you first realize that you're having a baby that reoriented your whole reality. When you propose to your, to your uh, fiancé, that reorients your reality, that news this good news has the potential to organize your life about a reality that is not focused on the news feeds. That's focused on who God is and what He is doing. As we draw to a close, we live in a time where we could be apathetic to what's happening. You could say, why should I care? <laughs> Or some of us care too much that we're moved from one place to the other just, just being dictated by social media. The gospel teaches us to focus on what we truly value and that is God and His Word. Romans chapter 10. How then will they call on Him whom they have not believed? Paul talking about the Gentiles. And how... Are they to believe in Him whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And then he says, how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. He quotes Isaiah 52, telling them, this is, this is our that we do missions because of this reality. We do missions to magnify God by proclaiming the gospel to people who desperately need it. That includes you and me. That includes people in the farthest ends of the world. That includes people who would not otherwise hear of this Christ. Again, if you're a Christian, I pray that the Holy Spirit would move you towards the direction of backing what we say we believe with how we live our lives. It's so easy to think of missions as a work of professionals. The work of Pastor John, the, the works of people like Hiro Magno, the work of people like that campus missionary. It's easy to, to reduce it to the work of professionals. But no, no, no. This is a family project. Which means you and me, we have a role to play. Which means all of us, when we put our faith together, when we pray together, when we give together, when we go, God is magnified, the gospel is proclaimed, and people are drawn to Christ. 
for listening. Make sure to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Feel free to share this message with your friends too. For more information about our church, visit our website at www.victorialamang.church.